0: Welcome to the TA Disruptors podcast, where I get to speak to some incredible thought leaders and TA disruptors in the recruitment field about some of the biggest challenges uh, that talent acquisition are facing. Those that thrive and survive will be the ones who are able to adapt and anticipate some of the changes that are coming about in the, the Gen AI world that we now live in. And today I'm very excited to welcome Claudia Nutgens from uh, Alexander Mann. Uh, you are uh, the global head of assessment and uh, AMS, that will many of our listeners will be familiar with. Is the Global Talent Solutions Company um, that uh, does does some amazing uh, things in terms of uh, all sort of talent solutions, recruitment process outsourcing. I'm sure. Um, Claudia will will share a bit more about that. But as someone who heads the assessment advisory team at AMS, um, you are strategically advising your clients on the most uh, uh, innovations and improvements in assessment and selection uh, space. And, and I know that some of the things that you've done in the past with, with the likes of, of Rolls-Royce have, have, have won awards for, for the way that you have, have made significant improvements. You're a chartered occupational psychologist and an executive coach with, with over 20 years of consulting and, uh, and coaching experience. So bringing a wealth of knowledge about best practice around assessment, uh, selection and development. So, welcome, Claudia, to the podcast. And perhaps you could just give us uh, a, a short um, explanation and background about uh, what you do at AMS and, and, and the team that you look after.
1: Sure, yeah. So, um I've been leading the team for about 4 years now, just over 4 years. We are um a group of assessment selection specialists, we're business psychologists, um some of us are chartered, um and we provide an advisory service for end-to-end assessment. Um we sit in the technology advisory function, so that the clue is in the question there in 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 some respects that we are very much about Um, end-to-end assessment processes rather than individual assessments. Um, We advise on anything assessment-related, so it could be to do with um, assessment frameworks, it could be to do with validation, uh, test selection... Um, we also design um, bespoke tests and we do uh, hiring manager training around assessments mm-hmm. so that we've got a quite a mixed portfolio within that specialism. Uh, we are global. We do most of our work currently in UK, EMEA um, and APAC, um, but we are growing all the time. So, yeah, it's a really exciting team and a, a great time to be doing it. So yeah.
0: I bet, I bet. And I, I think with... Um, all the sort of transformation that's going on—not just around Gen AI, Gen AI but digitisation—the mm. uh, demand for your expertise and services is, is is growing strongly because you know we really have to think hard about uh, what we measure and how we measure it in the in the mm. recruitment, uh, especially at a time where there's a, a lot of uh, still sadly inequality. So doing it in a, a robust and fair way is so important and i i'd love to get some of your thoughts on 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 that particular point of of you know from your perspective what what makes a really robust and fair and 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 ultimately one that finds the people with the best potential to yeah. fulfill the role that your clients are looking for
1: so i suppose i'm a traditionalist so um i don't think there's it's core principles really um i was back in the day i was involved in the the uh assessment center standards board for the dop right. division of occupational psychologists and i just still look at that as a reference point and i see that very much um how we still need to do things so the big thing for us is cr- having clear criteria we start with that almost always so You know, whilst we're seeing everyone talking about potential, everyone talking about skills, really that doesn't change the way we work. So Mm -hmm. with our clients, we would always say before you go and buy a product, before you go and decide that you need to have this approach, what is it you are trying to measure? It's the fundamental question. It's really the only starting point. So we do spend a lot of time on that. Um, What I think... I could answer lots of different aspects of that question, I suppose. But what I think we're seeing at the moment is maybe it's wishful thinking, but a slight return to um, really good design um, because we we know that a lot of Gen I is threatening the validity and fairness of a lot of the traditional assessment tests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, what we're looking forward to next year and already is starting to see is a richer relationship with a client around design um and really also forcing our we ams don't have any assessment product we don't sell any what we do is we work via partners and partners um we're going to be pushing on partners to prove the validity of their their instruments we're going to be working with them to be more innovative and inventive in the way that they respond to this and uh, you know a lot of them are leading the way anyway we don't need to push them they know it's real for them um but it's a very much feels like we're gonna to have to take a partnership approach with clients and providers over the next year. So it's 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 actually quite a fun time for yes. us.
0: Yeah, I mean I think it's a, a um, an amazing opportunity that we've had not had for a long time Definitely. to to really force a rethink. And I and I'd just like to explore a bit more your point about the the success criteria that mm. because I think that is so important. One of the things that's sort of interesting for me around this is around cognitive ability. Yeah. In this, and yeah. there's been quite a lot recently um, questioning, you know, yeah. t- the the strength of cognitive ability, and we've seen Sackett uh, uh, challenging a bit the original Hunter and Schmidt. Mm. Um, Steve um, Woods. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's right. Paper. Yeah. And. And where in, in, in a world now, where so much of our roles are knowledge-based and strong knowledge, what's your take on cognitive ability, and how much should we weight that in in the success criteria here? Have, have any of your views started to change around that?
1: I, I think so. Yeah, if I'm really honest, so I think we've always relied on the fact that we have we had evidence albeit flawed that you could get good predictive uh, validity from cognitive assessments if they were role relevant and that's what the kind of basic standard that my team would operate on that whilst we would never use them as a screening tool on their own for instance so we favour a much more blended approach but um, we we do know that for certain roles there is there were clear links between cognitive ability and performance in roles so what I think is, you know, got to get to grips with the new kind of ideas around this and what the challenge is now. But I think what we're we're seeing much more hesitancy. Now we were already seeing it because we are finding that the adverse impact is very real from yes. those assessments. I, I don't know I can't I don't know if anyone's done a meta analysis on this, but I feel like the adverse impact is getting worse on cognitive we are seeing yes pockets of it happen more often whereas before we could rely on a test that had been on the shelf for a while Mm -hmm. not to have not to produce that but in some of our early careers populations we are seeing it happen why do you think
0: that is the case do you think that's just the the design or maybe uh you know there are other factors in there because obviously those things have been around for a while so why 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 suddenly that creeping in a bit more now than it has done before
1: I mean, I'm, I'm a practitioner, so I'm not an academic um, as much as I try to keep mm. up to date with the evidence base. Um, I don't know, but what my sense is, and I have teenagers as well, so yes. I'm basing it a bit on personal experience. But my sense is the education system is deeply flawed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but maybe we were training people better at school to, mm. to perform mm. on those sorts of tests. In the more traditional approach to education, I think now there's not a level playing field. People aren't coming out of education yes, with, with the, the right with the, the right skills. skills and and with the same skills, and therefore their performance on those more traditional assessments is really varied. And I also think it's very alien. Some of those, yes. they, you know, it's a very alien way of thinking. It doesn't really reflect job related skills and that's that's one of our we, we for some it does and we where we think there's a proper match we would try them yes um but we but we are seeing certainly for certain types of reasoning assessments you know we, we, the justification for it just isn't there anymore yes. so yes.
0: and I think that's really interesting on the job related and it, it comes back to your first principles mm. on this mm. and and that's changing it's changing now. I mean, if we have if you think we have the capability of Gen AI to do that reasoning and, and very, you know, competent reasoning for us, are you starting to, to think about and about the different things that we might actually from a from a knowledge worker point of view that we're looking for on this? Are we looking a bit more for problem solving skills? So it's the actual the 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 way that you go about problem solving rather than specifically can you just get to the answer because I feel that's a little bit about what the old style of tests was can you process information and give me a right or wrong answer whereas now it's a bit more how you arrive at the answer in there the way that you approach it perhaps Mm. with creativity and curiosity is 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 how's your thinking beginning to...
1: Yeah, I, and that. I think that, you know, a lot of the um, writing and the input on Gen, Gen AI has been don't be too frightened because really all it's going to do is leave us, strip back the kind of basic tasks within a role and and all these the more human stuff around into, you know, our relationships with each other, our complex thinking, um, spontaneity, creativity. Yes is something that those tools can't do for us now I mean I've got to say I'm not entirely sure that's right but um, I think that's where we are at the moment so what we are talking about is that and I could give you many examples but one of the things that we're really grappling with on behalf of clients is the moment is the drying up of certain skills Right. Um, so we have really, po- um, you know, very difficult talent markets for certain skills. And I'm sure you're, that's not news to you. Yes. What we're trying to do now is come back with clients with some suggestions for how we can measure what it is that differentiates between a machine and basic skills and that person performing really well and yes. possibly being able to transition to other roles, yeah. similar roles in the future. And that's hard. We're What we're looking at because clients come to us saying they want that mm. but when we probe there's a there's a disparity between what they ask us for and then yes what they really want yes so we have a one of our questions around this whole skills based you know around the gen i thing is you know how far forward do you want us to think yes or do you want us to think about assessing for the jobs you've got open tomorrow yes and and that's and that's a big topic in fact i was just writing we're writing a product for our early careers team to take to the clients about advising them about how to deal with this in the early career space early talent space and that's one of the considerations is where are you setting your sights do you want to solve for now or do you want to solve for the future because that's that's a big question
0: it is and it's such an interesting one because the, as you highlight, it's changing so rapidly. This digitization yeah. is, you know, we're seeing some roles that will disappear, new roles that are um, being created. And a lot of the new roles that are being created, there's either no experience for it because they're new roles, or mm. there's very few people with the skills in mm. there. So that means we, we have to think about differently, particularly in that, that early careers. Space as to what are we actually looking for? Is it more around coachability? Mm. Is it more around learning agility, critical thinking? Because they're actually going to have to apply that in many different things as their their career evolves and and, and changes. Mm. And it's another reason why I think it's so important to have that you know independent advisory capability on this because it's so complex mm. for. And it'd be interesting as to how. How you, you know, support your, your clients on you know, determining what to use and, and how to use because if you don't have your expertise mm. as a, you know, a chartered psychologist and you just go out to the, to the market and you put in assessment products, mm. there's just hundreds mm. out there that will come mm. from a Google search. What are the things that you sort of say look this is this I think you've heard a little bit about validity but I'm sure there are others.
1: Yeah, I mean it's sort of the core of what we do. So we often we work with a mixture of clients. So clients our clients are very big usually um enterprise and they usually have already have assessment providers. Right. So our job isn't to go in and say oh you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> um our job is often to kind of look at what they've got, um look at what they're trying to achieve. Look at what their workforce challenges are, look at their plans. Now, I would say that my team often work as part of broader TA diagnostics. Yes. So we do a mixture of work. So some of our work is very much isolated to just the assessments. And a lot, but a lot of it is much more joined up than that. And that's the exciting stuff. So once we've got an understanding of where this, where an organization is going, usually in a particular kind of skill area or function, um, Sometimes, actually, just for all permanent hiring or for all early careers programmes. But we basically will then say, well, this is what you've got. These are the gaps in your provision. And this is why you've got gaps in your provision. So it might not be because of the provider. It might be because they don't have any internal expertise. And so they've been using it in a particular way that doesn't make sense they haven't validated that might be another one it could be that the hiring managers aren't trained so they've got this amazing Mm -hmm. assessment suite Mm -hmm. and then it gets to the end of the process and the hiring managers just you know are all over yeah ignoring it so there's we look at we have a kind of standard framework for it um but we are very flexible around it and we basically look at all the systemic so i come from a management consulting background so you know that's the bit of work i love um and you know I've been a psychologist in that space but I've I get that it's bigger than the assessment yes tools it is and then we and then we basically say these are some suggestions the implications of you taking that one are you have to integrate with your ATS and right. it's going to take you mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. um but this one's we could do this alert standalone and it's much less problematic so we kind of we kind of work I'll like steer that steer a bit on that yeah yeah, yeah. which
0: are incredibly useful yeah um one of the things, just going back to, you know, systemic mm-hmm. and um, it's, we, we share a similar, you know, passion for improvement around diversity, particularly neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the way a number of processes uh, in, 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 in larger organizations work is they don't always support the neurodivergent community. Yeah. And perhaps you could share a bit how 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 you you know advise your clients to address some of those systemic areas that perhaps have been holding back some of the marginalised communities that have not had the, the right opportunity.
1: Yeah, sure. So I would caveat it by saying I'm not a neurodiversity expert, though I have worked with the lovely Nancy Doyle at Genius Within and um, I also have an autistic son who's 14 so I've got kind of vested interest yes. and I did do some work with Genius Within previous uh, to working at AMS. So mm-hmm. I I kind of, um, I, th- I suppose I'm well versed in the issues. I think my attitude towards it is if you've got a job that a neurodiverse person could really, really thrive in and perform yeah. brilliantly in, why would you have an assessment process that they can't pass? Yes. So we would reverse engineer it in a way to say, and, I mean, you you, you flagged Rolls-Royce, but Ellie there, I mean, she is such a great client partner because she shares that ethos. Mm. The other client we have is a professional services client who... um we, I know, has worked very heavily with Genius Within and the team there to really do the such great work there about the neurodiversity. They've got a, a recruiter toolkit, which is free mm. on their website um, around neurodiversity. Yes. So there's some great work being done. And I think it's down to individual cases, but I, it's interesting talking to neurodiverse people though, because you ask them about cognitive assessments, for instance, some of them say, I love them. Mm. Mm. Others say I hate them. So there isn't really a one answer to this. Um, But I think it's mindful, you know, being mindful. We train. We try to train our recruiters to be very aware of the issues, arm them with some decent tools. Um, A lot of our providers have sort of adjustment toolbars, Um, you know, the normal, the usual things you'd expect. But, yeah, it's not a simple... It's not. (laughs) It's not. It's
0: not. Um, It it doesn't mean that you know we shouldn't try harder. Mm. um, Mm. But I think you're right that we we just need to be aware that this is a broad spectrum. Mm. There's a spectrum within autism. There's a spectrum Mm. um, within the neurodivergent community, and so there's not a one size fits all for Mm. this. There there has to be an element of. uh, uh, of uh, making some adjustments in some parts of the process and in other parts it may be a, a completely parallel process mm. Uh, mm. around this mm. so so what are the sort of things that I, I I suppose you advise clients around that do you sort of get them to to test it Uh, do you like the genius within to go in and just do a how how, you know actually put somebody through the process and check how do they feel about it or
1: yeah I mean we often pilot a lot of the work we do we've also work in consultation with you know the ERGs in that space and we will have in early careers it's you know it's quite quite often that we have are able to pilot with different groups um yeah so that would be our general rule of thumb i think we um can provide um explicit advice about certain certain conditions so that's great when we can um and you know for instance it's an it's a simple thing but in interview guides when we're talking about uh how a candidate responds Including additional information watch outs for people who are neurodiverse how they might not have eye contacts yes. and things like that So there's some really kind of simple things yes. that make a big difference And we actually found I mean, I feel like it's less so at the moment. I feel the awareness uh, I don't think we ever need to stop, but I think people's awareness is much better But we often had to do some work really educating hiring managers about different conditions yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that really helps Um, but I mean, you know, I wonder whether as well, whether we've tipped too far into automation and in assessment and too far into digitization and what we'll see now is a slight reversal. And we are, we're seeing more humans in the loop a bit more. We're starting to see that change and having early human contact in a process. yes is starting to feel like the right thing to do. Yeah, Uh, that's really
0: interesting, um, particularly around that sort of reassurance uh, for people too. Just on that note of too much automation and where automation's coming in, I'd I'd like to just, one of the interesting pieces of research that we came out of, uh, or stat that came out of the research that we did, is that we found that, Um, the neurodivergent community were were higher users of gen ai in the application Mm -hmm. process uh, than neurotypical and so if you're dyslexic or dyspraxic for example having a tool that helps you write better uh, application forms Mm -hmm. answers is really useful Mm -hmm. and one of the things that that is clearly coming out at the moment is we see in the education sector like if you you know apply for UCAS they give you advice on where gen AI can be used mm-hmm. and should be used and where actually you probably shouldn't use it or poor use of it mm-hmm. have you have you had any of your clients come to you saying actually this is Really quite troublesome for yeah. us. What's your perspective, Claudia, yeah. on to embrace it or what do we do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a daily question. Hmm. So we are, so we we're you know we're putting together responses daily. Yeah. So, however, we're trying to coordinate the effort a bit because obviously we've got lots of teams at yeah. AMS who are interested in it. So, um, yes, what we're seeing is everything on a spectrum from. People, literally, I had a client meeting last week where the client said, well, sorry, what? Christ. Hadn't even occurred to them. Right. To clients who are going, sorry, stop everything. We are not continuing with this. Okay, so we've got that. Yes. Panic, absolute, yes. like, head headless mm-hmm. chicken panic mm-hmm. to completely ignoring it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What we're trying to do is get that middle ground. So what we're trying to do is really... Start to say to people, right? Is Gen I something you're going to be using in your organisation? Yes. Is it going to be used as part of these jobs? Yes. It's not cheating. Why is it cheating? Yes. It's no no. It's no different to you know a graduate asking their mum to help them with their application yes. form. Or not a calculator. really, or a yeah. calculator. Yeah. So that's. I mean, I wouldn't say we're embracing it. I'm probably more of a traditionalist than some. So my, my viewpoint still is that I don't really want the team to use it for design, not yet, because I don't think we have the skills. And I feel like we are giving away our IP into right. the world of yes. data.
0: So you would be careful. And
1: I also think then we just exacerbate the problem, essentially. Yes. And there is a real validity problem with many of the solutions that we oversee or that we would have recommended a year ago. Mm. So there is, mm. we, I, we have to be honest with clients, is that if you've got a simple SJT, Yes. as an automa- uh, automated first stage response, it is likely that it is very easy to complete with GPT. Yes. So really what you're going to find is, is the curve is going to change, you're yes. going to get lo- lots of high performance, it's not going to work for you anymore. Yes. And that's that's, that's we're having to be really honest. And that mm-hmm. took, I would say, it's only in the last sort of six weeks, two months really that, that where we started to put nice. nail it and say, maybe three months and say, don't use verbal reasoning assessments. Right. Simple SJTs, strip them out. Strip them out. Yeah. Now we we weren't saying that before, but I think we've now realised the evidence is there that we have to say
0: it. Yes. Yeah. That's fascinating because yeah. it's t- it's it's so interesting. You were saying you had that kind of spectrum. There's still people out there that yeah. go, "Really, do I have a big problem here?"
1: Yeah, but um, I mean, the thing is, we're creating a huge problem by saying that. So yeah. th- we then what what we don't want is them scrabbling around and then suddenly buying something else. Yes,
0: as a plug-in, as
1: a knee-jerk reaction. So what we're saying is, right? Well, we'll help you with the data monitoring. We can look at the curve. We can look at. Whether or not you can still use it, um, we've had things like I've got a meeting next week with a team from the Netherlands for a client who was saying we're seeing wholesale cheating on DI, so they know they can see that there's identical responses, and people are using it as a script, yes, a yes. digital interview, that a was. digital interview, yeah. right?
0: Exactly, yes. Yeah.
1: And we're saying there's nothing you can do. So yes. you, we've given you a scoring framework for yes. now. We've actually we have redesigned the questions, yes. But even that's not going to solve the problem. Yes. We've shortened it. We've made it much more personal. We're trying to kind of discourage the use of ChatGPT on its own to do that. Yes. Um, we're using comms yes. to say, please, we want to hear about you. Yes, Use ChatGPT, but don't use it on its own.
0: Yes, exactly, Claudia. And yeah. this, this is where I think we... we need to get on the front foot Mm. on this one. It's no good saying it's cheating. I'm with you on that one because for some people it's an aid and it Mm. just feels wrong. Mm. Um, And and there are elements of it that clearly, under any definition of cheating, it would be Mm. cheating. But then you get into the grey area and Mm. if you're using it to help prepare, Mm. then is that cheating if you're using it to help... Uh, um, support you in your thinking about how you might answer some of the questions in the digital interview. That's that's not really cheating. And so right. the, the blanket term, all use uh, of AI, I, I just feel uh, und- undermines the employer brand on that. It does. But we do then have this challenge mm. that, okay, where is it acceptable? Mm. And most importantly, where where do we want the human element to come back in again? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think that's that's where we need to get to on this and saying that well, here's an acceptable use of it, but cutting and pasting, mm. if you do that, it'll be obvious yeah. and you're just not going to differentiate from anybody else. Yeah. And so... we we need to support people we need some Mm. transparency and some guide particularly in early careers yeah because back you know to to, some people just haven't had the support on that so they just don't know what's right or wrong
1: but i think we're reaching a tipping point in early careers because i feel like everybody's got quite similar processes so what Mm. that's enabled it's Mm. enabled candidates to bulk apply to lots and lots of programs right and and i and i know that that's not what the intention was so i think there's a it's almost like we need to tackle the problem somewhere back so we yes. you know we've got clients who get tens of thousands of candidates per per hire and really all they can do is automate yes screening yes. there's, there's nothing else because yes. otherwise they're literally come manually looking yes. Yes. at CVs and just randomly throwing them into piles yes. so we we have to do it something quick effective to help them yes or we have to start thinking about a stage before assessment, which is around funneling people a bit better. Because the problem in the, in the name of diversity, many clients have opened their funnels up sure. right up. Yes. They've done lots of attraction. But of course, then you've just got these huge populations mm-hmm. applying. So, it it is a really interesting dilemma. The gains that we've had through opening up funnels are also now presenting yes. problems.
0: So you've got that trade-off, and I think that's the that's the thing that people yeah. need to sort of work out on this. I'm completely behind the uh, removing the degree uh, piece on this because mm. it, it it served a purpose in the in the past. You know, two one mm-hmm. cut off, but. Uh, it clearly was a limiting factor. And, and so I'm, uh, I welcome the, the kind of openness around this. But now in, we have all sorts of little tools that while you sleep, mm. you, know, you, can, you can put an application. I think it's interesting what you were saying, The many mm. processes are similar in the early career space. Mm. So it, it almost becomes a little bit of a cut and paste. Yeah. And, and so the education around that is more important uh, than ever around mm. this. And, and therefore, the guidance has to come forward, you know, on career sites. And, an interesting, you know, part of your advisory element, I, I wonder now, is changing of, okay, there's, there's different things that we need to be assessing for and looking for. That needs to be reflected in saying to people, these are the kind of things that we're looking for. So if yeah. that resonates with you on that. But then thinking about, well, how do we give them the opportunity to work out whether they do have those things before they then get thrown into the recruitment process and and put it committing a lot of time to that
1: yeah absolutely i mean you know we we obviously have very different solutions for different hire types as well so we you talk about you know there are very different problems in the early career spaces there are say in tech hiring or you know we see in uh, sort of skilled workers Mm -hmm. trades Mm -hmm. um or you know more leadership hiring there's very different problems so we you know it and that's the thing that's the other thing my team have to do we have to pivot a lot from the different higher types and really think about the uniqueness of the talent market we've got brand and attraction team we work very carefully with and they're experts in you know the talent value proposition and all of that sort of thing so we actually often are very informed by kind of work together on thinking about the messaging and what they're trying to do with the funnels as well. And obviously the RPO teams, we need to help them. Sometimes our solutions are part of what we offer clients. Yes. In which case we have to balance quality of candidate, time to hire mm. with efficiency. So, you yes. know, we've got we've got a lot to think about and a lot to get right. I mean, one of the things about the reaction to Gen I is it will affect efficiency. And we've got to kind of work with... Our clients to for them to understand the tolerances about that you know there's been a real trend I you know I haven't been in recruitment for my entire career but there's been a trend to take stuff away from hiring managers because the idea that it's less efficient to have hiring managers doing things they're perhaps less good at making objective judgments but actually I have quite a lot of sympathy with hiring managers frustration with that um, they know their jobs, they know their teams, they know their culture really, really well. I, I do wonder whether we're going to have to have a, again, a flip back to more hiring manager involvement in yes, the process,
0: more in person. So it, yeah, and, and that'll mean potentially more cost. Yeah, uh, around all of this, and so that has to be you know at a time where many organisations are. Uh, re- reducing the, the the amount of spend that they have on talent acquisition mm. in their own teams are being shrunk around this, so you gained you back to that trade off between efficiency and effectiveness and human touch candidate experience mm. uh, around this mm. and and so do, do you do you see actually we're, 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 you, you're that the, the trend is going to be to bringing more people in in person now yeah, rather than so. trying to do it all all digitally
1: yes i think so i think so that's what we're anticipating next year is that there will be of greater emphasis on later stage assessments um like i said probably more recruiter phone calls involvement at the beginning i mean we we have we make huge efforts to make the automation feel human Yes there's ways of doing that that we think are really successful, but we can't ignore the fact that gen AI, AI will mean that candidates are going to start looking very similar if we're not careful mm. and so at some point we have to make judgments based on how they respond to another human being, what they do when they're put under when they haven't got time to prepare, so if that's a characteristic of the job, you know spontaneity yes then we do need to have, we're going to have to bring people in, or at least proctoring technology we are looking at at the moment. It's really problematic. It is. So yeah. we at the moment, we don't have any clients using it um, legally, I think ethically, proctoring.
0: It, you, you're you into all sorts of challenges around yeah. that. I, I'd, I mean, I'd just like to explore that a little bit about legally, because is, is that something that you're having to factor in now because we've obviously got in New York there's new legislation Mm. around any kind of use of automated uh, screening in there we've got the new EU Digital Act that's coming out too so uh, how is that impacting your thinking about design and I suppose the advice that you're giving clients too?
1: Yeah so we um, have taken this very seriously at AMS so with Obviously for obvious reasons we're we know we manage risk very carefully. So we formed a partnership with a firm called Holistic AI who mm-hmm. do AI audits and we were um so I met them through a client um who was doing auditing all of their tech. Um and we've uh since formed a kind of partnership with them. Now what that means is that we expect all of our providers to go through their assurance. Um, and also we're recommending the assurance process to to our clients. So it's a really robust um, expert service. I mean, there are different versions of it. I'm not a legal expert, but they will provide interpretations of the law in the process that they take people through. So I'm not kind of slopey-shouldered about it, but I think we can't be experts in everything. Yes. Um. So we're assessment experts, but we need we understand the law that will come that's in the UK is going to be. We originally thought that it would allow for quite a lot of innovation, but mm. actually, I think mm. it, the general areas the interpretation of it is going to be really quite prohibitive. Yes. So we know that that's coming our way. Um. In fact, everything we do at the moment, we're already applying those. The explainability, the um, transparency, uh, bias, yeah, auditability criteria to it, and uh, obviously in the US, I mean, US is difficult because it's state legislation. So Mm. you could be in one place and it would say this, and another. So I think the general thinking is we go for the most, the most strict, strict, yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, you know, and I think the US assessment providers are all over this and if they're not we wouldn't really work with them yes yes um, but
0: it's an interesting development around this I mean you know what you shared earlier is that uh, with verbal reasoning simple SJTs that are undermined now Mm -hmm. then you have also to do so you've just got a sort of process vulnerability Uh, thing to think about now you've also got a legal vulnerability piece to 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 factor in for this as well Mm. and it's suddenly becoming a lot more complex for it's not just about redesigning but it's redesigning in a way that doesn't expose to to more danger uh, around all of this
1: yeah and I think validations will become much more of a a thing for us to be helping with so you know typically we would always look to validate with automated solutions we tend to do sort of check for adverse impact in the first few hundred candidates we will use pre-validated assessments but I think recently we've done a couple of specific validations looking at predictive validity Mm -hmm. you know if I'm really honest those are flawed they're certainly not research study standard yes because real life is not a scientific research it's not scientific research and hiring managers making ratings and chasing people for those and you know, we don't have aligned performance rating systems in organisations. We're not allowed to have the data. Yes. You know, there's all sorts of in. We have such issues around some of our jurisdictions don't collect any ethnicity data. Yes. So we can't show adverse impact in predictive validity studies, or or, um you know, in the validation studies. We we it. So it is it is difficult. It's difficult, tricky, it? it's mm. difficult mm. but we love clients who want to invest in it and that's what we want to do for them we think it's a tough nut to crack that one but it's going to happen more yes. because they've got to prove it
0: they have and I, th- I think that just from a legislative point of view that explainability yeah that auditability mm-hmm. but all of that ultimately goes back to well what did you say you wanted to measure yeah can you show that you're measuring that on a consistent and fair and objective way and it comes back then ultimately to first principles. Yeah. And I, I I'm I'm very excited about what uh, occupational psychology can bring mm. to the recruitment process but for somebody who came into this sector uh, without any kind of originally psychology understanding at all. I just didn't realize the frameworks, I suppose, and the the very detailed education reflection that has gone on 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 how through occupational psychology you use your data well in the validation. And part of the reason that, you know, we ended up with the whole Amazon Uh, withdrawal of AI mm-hmm. six seven years ago was because you had a data scientist trying to do exactly, predictability, yeah. but yeah. without yeah. the the education, the training, and the frameworks that the occupational psychology brings, mm. and and I think therefore that advisory piece is is so important I think it's going to be important for many companies that they're going to they're going to need to because they're going to be awash with Mm. with applications Mm. that they they look to that independent expertise to tell them right what is a good way to do this how do I determine whether x vendor or y vendor is is better because there's so many silver bullets that are yeah, being thrown exactly. out there. Oh yeah, if you yeah. use this, it'll solve all your problems. But as we've just discussed, it's never that easy, Claudia, no, is it? It's, no. it's, it's, you know And it's, nobody
1: it's- likes to hear it depends. But honestly, it feels to me at the moment this is a good time to be, to be, what we would be, normally be quite cautious. We're yes. not, and this is why I, yes. you know I made the joke about I'm not a TA disruptor. I wouldn't ever call myself that. My that's not my job. My job is to protect. People yes. from doing the wrong things and advise them if we can innovate, great. Um, but that's not my primary motive. My motive yes. is to do this properly. Yes. Um, and so I think that's that's it's a really exciting time for that. And when yes. I went to um, siop which is the mm. US um, mm. conference last year, um, and I'm going hopefully again in April um to speak on the subject but i felt really excited by the way the us psychologists were tackling it they there were a lot of lawyers around but they but they were saying this is an exciting time for us because this is about first principles and it's not about and we can support and protect and we can remind people why experts are needed exactly so because i think for a while. It was almost as if it, you felt a little bit ashamed of being an expert There's some you're not you're not yes. kind of innovative enough. You're not forward thinking enough. Yes. And, and it's frustrating. Yes,
0: yes. And I think it's such a, a great point, Claudia. And and what's interesting for me is and, and part of getting different views on this podcast mm. is that you 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 have people who who want to disrupt and change, and we do mm. because we have things like social mobility that we want to make significant yeah, of improvements course, of course and and so everybody's been sort of tweaking around the edges trying to to, to make adjustments there but not making the significant improvement so so while we 've got an opt- opportunity to disrupt, what we would be super careful about is that we 're not disrupting and moving things backwards rather than forwards yeah in which case you need to talk to the experts around it Mm. and and that's why I wanted to share that there's this is this is a time for subject matter experts to ensure that we're moving forward in the right way and that we're 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 not being disrupted to Mm. the point that we're we're actually moving society backwards rather than forwards.
1: I absolutely I mean if there's one topic I could be passionate about is the fact that you know when we talk about diversity and social mobility i've been i was trained in the late 80s early 90s yes. right i did my masters in the early 90s it was core to everything yes. i was trained in yes. was fairness yes so you know it feels like a new language but it's not for yes. us because yes. the whole point of what we do is that and yes. social mobility has always been a very primary consideration you know there isn't a psychologist i know an occupational psychologist i know who doesn't have that absolutely ingrained in them yes um, and if they are they're probably not very good so yes. you know it so it's you know it's I, I that i can be very passionate about that and it's almost like this isn't you this yes. isn't you yes. <laughs> well,
0: i i think that's such a, a a great way to to end on that you know gen ai presents some some interesting challenges for us but mm. the way that we can address them can still involve and should involve first principles of things that we've learned about fairness and particularly the way that that has been trained and ingrained in the way that occupational chartered psychologists go about things Mm. and let's hope that 2024 is going to be the year of the chartered psychologist (laughs) to you know to (laughs) to bring better things um into the way that we recruit and hire but claudia it's been fascinating talking to you thank you so much for coming along no problem
1: enjoyed it thank you